Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. This is part two of the Delamere Forest compilation. If you haven't heard part one, there is a link to it in the description below. As I stated in part one, I went out to Delamere on the 19th of June to meet with some members and some witnesses to incidents that had happened in the forest. We are actually discussing um, whether I'd ever had any uh, government involvement and I said that no, I didn't think that I had. Um, but I was quite vocal, and that might be one of the reasons. And also that I very rarely leave the house. Um, and that was it. I never thought any more of it. And as I stated in part one, I came back. And two people I've worked with quite closely for a number of years now, both had separate um, scare tactics, we will call them, um, asking them to back off. One of them kind of had his job held above his head. So I want to get out there. Um, into the public realm that we were all separately working cases where a number of humans had vanished um, in the woodlands and in the areas where we have a number of cryptid reports and one of those areas was Delamere Forest. Now it isn't just the forest, it's um, <clears throat> you can spread out to Crewe or spread out to Ellesmere Port, go up to Todmorden, all the accounts link up but there's a there's a patch within all of that where most of the reports are dogman like UFOs, abductions, and we have these strange lights that are seen in or above the forest that kind of are attractive or enchanted in some way. And we were also talking about the fact that a number of witnesses had described a creature they saw in a sexual way, or the creature had shown itself in a sexual way. And we were discussing what the agenda was. Um, it's very hard to be a witness. A, you have to know what you're seeing, you know, to put a name on it. And I think this account sums that up. This account happened in 2015. And the gentleman described the creature as skulking across the road. He said, I'd like to report an incident that up until now I've only told my family. I was on my way to Northwich uh, in the spring when my Land Rover broke down. We were in the countryside next to a large stately home I used to work for called Tatton Estates. It was just me and my dog in the car and we had to wait on the country road between two woods for the rescue truck. The sun went down and I turned my lights on so any other traffic could see that the car was there. There were no street lights out there. It began to rain and my dog kept looking into the woods to the left. He was whining and we'd been in the car for two hours so I put it down to that. 
Just then, a thing, I have no clue what it was, crossed the road right at the edge of the truck's lights. I could only just see it crawl like it was on its belly. And it went across the road and over into the woods on the other side of the road. It was fur-covered, light brown or brown, but as it was so dark, I could only just see it. I assumed maybe it could have been lighter. My mind said, what the hell am I looking at? For another hour, I wrapped my brains trying to place this creature. It crawled like a soldier on his belly. I can't remember seeing a tail, and it was big, at least as big as a man. That park is full of deer and pheasant, and I'm not sure to this day what I saw. It moved like a skulking cat, but the size was too large to be a cat, and its belly must have been touching the ground as it moved. My lights at this point were getting dim, and the battery was drained, so it wasn't clear. It moved across the road very fast, not slow like a person, but it had arms and legs, so that's why I said it crawled like a man. But after thinking, I did go down the big cat route, because what else could it have been? I did a sketch that I can't find at the moment, and the sketch was of a Sasquatch crawling on its belly. And I remember thinking, that looks like what I saw. Could we have hominids in the UK? Is that possible? I myself doubt that it was a man, but some other creature not known to me, possibly. And to this day, I'm still unsure what I saw. Another witness who came forward was happy to be named, and her name was Jane Reed. And she had an experience in autumn of 2017 at Delamere. She said, Hi, Deb. I came across your blog spot where you were reporting on strange goings on at Delamere after a man reported seeing something flying across the road in front of his vehicle on the A556 this year. And that was the grey humanoid account that we spoke about in part one. Jane said, In the article, you mentioned a map and I included a link to it. Curiosity got the better of me, and I looked at the map, and I realised that something I'd reported to the Go Ape Centre may be of interest to you. I live in a small village called Great Barrow, and it's a sleepy little place where nothing ever happens. Sometimes on a weekend, I meet my friend from work at the station cafe at Delamere. We have a small dog, and it's a treat to meet him, walk the dogs in the woodland and then return for hot tea and cake before setting off home. And I can attest to that. The station cafe is lovely at Delamere. I must admit, I've never experienced anything unusual, said Jane. And I thought what I heard was an animal, like a llama or a camel in great distress. In fact, I was so upset, I phoned the Go Ape Centre to complain and they advised me that they don't keep any animals on the grounds. I waited until Monday and I re-rang them just to be on the safe side. But once again, they could not provide me with an explanation as to what we'd heard the Saturday just gone. So I looked on Google to see if there were any farms that had llamas or donkeys or any ungulate close by, but I've not been able to see any. That day, it was around 3pm-ish, and as we were making our way back to the car, we were heading to the cafe. We walked up to the north end where the path splits into two, we took the left-hand fork, which takes you along a trail almost back to the lake and the station cafe. We didn't see too many people out further than the lakeside, and it was raining off and on quite hard. 
We were walking and chatting and watching the dogs. And then from nowhere came this scream. And that's the only thing I can describe it as. It wasn't human, but I think it was an animal. The closest thing I could put to would be something like a goat, a llama, a donkey or a horse. It was like a long, continuous scream with each bray. Now there's an app my grandson plays with, an annoying goat as a central character. It sounded like that, but over and over for about 10 seconds. It was high-pitched and awful. The dogs shot off into the brush. and We had a job getting them back onto the leads. They didn't run to the sound, but in the opposite direction of it. In the opposite direction from where the scream was coming from. At the time, I honestly thought it was an animal. And there was a petting zoo in the Go Ape Centre. The Go Ape gives the impression that the monkeys and animals there. Now I know it's just for humans and kids. And I'm an animal lover and this has really played on my mind. I've heard of Roman soldiers that have been seen on the road. But I have no idea of all these other peculiar goings on that have happened. Then, when I read your blog and you said someone had reported a screaming donkey, I wondered if it was the same year or in the same area. I think this is in 2017, but it could be a few months out. Thank you for listening. Jane Reed, October 2020. Now, the case she's referring to happened in the 80s, so it wouldn't be the same animal. And I must point out that Caroline Smith of the Winter Hill Investigation Team did some research on the area for me and she did um, off her own back and she did find a farm that had llama. So this could possibly explain the noises heard by both this witness and the screaming donkey report from the 80s possibly. And we need to establish when the llamas were introduced into that area. Um, but obviously the reports go back to the Roman times of something screaming in there that people don't know what it is. Local folklore tells of suicidal brides and lost travellers who wail and scream in the woods. You know, you're used to it, you live in the UK. As we heard earlier, these audible horrors have been reported even before the Romans invaded our land. One of the witnesses once told me, there's a very eerie feeling here in the dark. The roads look like something time forgot. It's like travelling back to a time when horse and traps were the norm and people travelled through the forest on the Roman road. Something of note, many of the Roman roads were actually built along the ley lines. In fact, the roads themselves are often a hotspot for paranormal and supernatural activity. You get a lot of roadside ghosts um, along the Roman roads. And that can probably be the same as this report, a ghostly horse and carriage. Now it's quite modern. It happened on the 14th of February, 2006. And the experience happened on the road next to the station cafe. Um, and that's a popular meeting place at Delamere. Now there's a station cafe or you can go to the new visitor centre. On Valentine's Day in 2006, a person coming home from work made this report after a strange experience driving through the forest. I was driving... Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On my normal route, when I drove past a horse that was pulling a small two-wheeled carriage that was dimly lit by lanterns, the driver of the carriage remained still at all times. He was completely motionless. And as the witness's car went by... It was a very eerie experience, to say the least. Now, in 2014, a large black wolf was spotted. And that witness said, I could see two eyes and they were looking back at me. Myself and a group of four friends were out late on Friday night in Delamere Forest. We were walking along the designated trail that takes you just past the Go Ape Centre. It was a wild, windy evening and the rain was coming down pretty heavily. And we just stopped off at a small fork in the path. We all huddled together underneath a large umbrella. We all suddenly became aware of a presence, like something was looking at us from somewhere nearby. It really spooked the whole group. It was very eerie. We all felt that something was watching us from the dark. I started scanning the surrounding area, which was pitch black. And for some reason, I had the urge to look back in the direction towards the crossroads, which was the path that we'd just come in on. To my horror, I could see two eyes looking back at me. They were almost waist height, and whatever thing they belonged to, it was not even ten feet away from us, and it was in the thin, bushy hedgerow. Suddenly, it began moving to the right, almost instantly. It went right across the path we'd just walked from, and the way that we would have to walk back to the car. To the best of my ability... All I can say is I saw an extremely large black wolf-like creature that was moving on all fours. As it moved, it didn't turn its head or lose eye contact with me the whole time as it crossed that path. The black wolf was glaring at me with a vacant expression in his eyes before disappearing into the denser shrubs along the pathway. I was absolutely freaked out. At this point, my nerves had just gone. We all saw it. And we felt the only thing we could do was leave. The walk back to the car became a rather quick and nervous journey. We had to head back past the Go Ape Centre. And as we did, the feeling of being watched returned. And this time, everyone felt it strongly. I may have been 25 years old and 6 foot 180 pounds, but I am not ashamed to say I ran like a little girl the last 100 yards to the car. Adam. Now, another report of a screaming noise and some robed figures. Now, this next report came in to me by email and the witness said, I had something happen in the forest many years ago, in 81 or 82. 
I saw nothing with my eyes, but I heard something that made the most horrible noise. It sounded like an enormous donkey that was screaming. Well, that's what I always tried to convince myself it was. I'd been up to Burtonwood Services, as most of us youngsters did back then. Myself and my friends left about 2.15am. We were all on motorbikes and we never discussed going to Delamere Forest. We just kind of ended up there. On that night, the forest did feel really dark and my friends were winding each other up about the monsters and the stuff people report out here. We left the woods without incident and as we wanted to smoke, we parked up at a bike shop over the road from the woods. And as we were standing there, all three of us saw a number of figures. A few dressed in purple robes and around 30 other priests. They were walking along together. They walked into the woods and out of sight. I remember that night clearly. Another very strange event happened in June of 1972 and it's been classed as the Delamere Forest Incident. On a clear summer night at around 1.30am, two men had an experience that they will never forget. The witness stated, Steve and I had spent the last few hours of the previous evening hitching out of Bristol, dressed like a tribute to the Hell's Angel chapter, heading ever north towards Birkenhead. We passed through Delamere Forest when we had a very disturbing event. We walked for what seemed like hours and I saw the, in the distance a light of what I thought was a car. It wasn't a car, it was just a light. Then the light, about the size of a child's football, suddenly stopped dead at the brow of the hill with no visible deceleration. It just hung there, stock still, about eight feet above the ground. It was an orb of light that danced around the environment. When it moved, there was no sound accompanying it as it came towards us. There was no nimbus with the light either, nor any directional beam, almost like it was restricted to the perimeters of its physical source. And if you didn't see it directly, you wouldn't be aware of its presence. I could feel my hackles rise as I was eliminating the possibilities. A car? No, too high. Motorbike? No. Van? Still too high. Truck? Maybe a lamp on the roof of a really tall truck. But I can see the sky all around this ball. The stars are visible all about this kind of blue shining orb. And that meant that if it was attached to any kind of mast, as we understand it, it was most certainly invisible. I quickly sidestepped the 10 yards or so to catch up with Steve, not wanting to take my eyes off the enigma. I spun him around so he could see it too. And as we turned back to the orb, he still hung there, like some all-seeing eye, protecting the road we'd just traversed. And then it suddenly shot off to our left with no visible acceleration. It went into the field opposite, which adjoined the forest. And I tried to anticipate its light path as it swooped low. As much as I hate to use the cliche, I will say, I felt compelled by an invisible force to break through the shrubbery and stand below the light. I feel the invisible force came as much from me as from the object. Quite simply, the need to know just overwhelmed me. I stood there mesmerised by these things, completely unaware of time, space or anything around me. And then suddenly, a voice entered my awareness and told me to turn around and go home. I didn't want to go anywhere. I hadn't finished observing something 
So outside my whole belief system, I fought the urge to turn and do as I was bidden. I didn't want to go, not realising that what seemed to be a polite request was, in fact, a gentle command, and it would be obeyed. I walked stiffly away from my vantage point, completely against my will, and ever fighting to remain, I was disappointed. And I seemed to have little control of my body and my mind at that moment. I resisted, but my body was moved against my will anyway. I can't explain this. It was like something was moving me. So I walked slowly through the forest road. I was strangely calm. I was oblivious to the daylight creeping slowly across the sky until I emerged on the other side. By then, a huge rusty orange sun was half above the horizon. But though not aware of it at that time, the sun should not have been rising yet. I had not even witnessed the pre-dawn. I stopped, I leaned on the gate to watch while I was still able to do so and I became completely enraptured as I watched dark purple patches form on the surface of this growing, larger, blending together orange sun. It had delineating lines and they eventually formed an image of an embryo in a womb. I came to from this trance-like state on another part of the road and I knew everything. That's how I felt. I stared at that sun and I suddenly understood everything. Even now, 30 years on, I can remember a sense of complete unity and understanding and I just knew absolutely everything. Like a rush of adrenaline, it hit me. Soon, I was to find myself trudging away up the road again home, suddenly extremely weary to the point of staggering. How I got to the Vauxhall roundabout near Ellesmere Port, I will never know. I have no memory of a lift, but I do have a vague memory of thinking I was seeing people walking on the grass verge towards me on the opposite side of the road. As I went, and even some seemed to have pet dogs as they walked by. They usually turned out to be bushes or shrubs when I got close enough to focus properly. The next thing I'm fully aware of, I'm sitting wearily at the Vauxhall roundabout. It's 6.30am, my feet and legs are stuck over the curb and they're out into the road. Large lorries are hurtling past, beeping their arms at me to get me to move my legs before they crushed. I slowly became aware and I dragged myself reluctantly away. I felt extremely ill by this time. I had no energy at all. Not even enough to stand and hold my arm out to hitch for a few minutes. Let alone walk the ten or so miles home. As luck would have it, there was a red telephone box directly behind where I was sitting. I phoned and my dad took me home and put me to bed. And I stayed there for almost a week in a sort of strange delirium, for which I can still find no source. It would be true to say that I remember very little of that time. For most of those days, I was unconscious or semi-conscious. My thoughts, when wandering, took me back to Delamere Forest and that damn blue light. When I told myself this never happened and I would raise the quill and look at the lower half of my body, it looked like I had severe sunburn everywhere. When I was better, I tried to find Steve. I wanted to make sure that he was okay. I don't remember where he went, just that he was with me at one moment and then gone the next. 
I went to his house and his mother told me he did not live there anymore and he did not want me to contact him and she promptly shut the door in my face. It took a few weeks and one day when I was in Upton, I walked around a corner and there, about a hundred or so yards away, was Steve, sitting on a wall, chatting to two girls. But on seeing me, he was clearly afraid. The girls with him started screaming and shouting at me and they chased me off. I saw him for a few weeks later and on that day he said, if I see you again, I'll kill you. Our witness has to live with this not knowing and the constant search for answers. I wish I could find him and let him know that he's not alone. There are many experiences out there that will recognise the after effect of an unexplained event, the missing time, the confusion, the strange burns or marks on the body. There are other reports of strange orb lights close to and above Delamere Forest. Our next report involves a strange orb like light and this happened in 2012 and the witness stated, A good few years ago now, a friend and I wild camped in Delamere Forest. We waited until dark before we set up camp in case the rangers were around. Now many wild campers do the same. You just wait till it's dusk and then you find a place to tuck in for the night. They said it was winter and it was around 6pm when it got dark. And they said, and they realised we'd forgotten our torches. So we had to get our phones out and use the lights on them in order to see. We walked about 500 metres up the road, just randomly turned left. Because we just wanted to get a fire going by this point and get warm. It was about, by this time, 10, 11pm and we'd been sat in front of the fire sharing memories and stories from back in the day for a while now. We were just having a laugh in general. My mate started kicking the fire out until it was just embers and he pointed to the right of me because he saw something weird. I looked and I noticed a line of about five lights and they were hovering through the forest. We thought it was a car or cyclist at first but then it dawned on us that we were looking into the forest and not out towards the road. I have to mention it was dead silent and the lights these things were giving off was just mad. I could see almost every tree in a 300 metre diameter. Then as quickly as they appeared, they vanished into the distance. The darkness just seemed to creep back in. And as quick as it went bright, it went dark and it was really dark. As you can imagine, we were rushing to get the fire lit again and we quickly became properly freaked out. I joked whilst he was lighting the fire, saying, imagine if we lit the fire and there was loads of figures just standing around us because we couldn't see three feet in front of us in the dark. I wish I didn't think that because I think I scared myself more than him. About an hour passed and my friend became extremely ill to the point that he was white as a ghost and he had a strong feeling of wanting to leave, so that's what we did. He had to lean on me most of the way back because of how weak he felt. As we were walking back down the road, it seemed a lot more than 500 metres. As we were walking down, my friend kept pointing out the lights in the sky that we both could see through the top of the trees. These lights seemed to be following us. They were observing us, they were intelligent. When we got back to the car, it started snowing. So we just decided to put the heater on and get some sleep before we set home back to Manchester. Sleeping in the car felt safe. Not too far from here, 
and along the route we discussed earlier. It's a place close to home for me. And it's a home to the Perchman legend. Like Delamere, Perchman has some competition from some very strange canine creatures that are seen in the area. One place near me in, um, in Wigan, in the late 80s, um, a gentleman told me a story about what happened to him. He said, when I was around my middle teens, we'd knock on for each other and just wander the lanes and woods like kids do. One night, we all decided to go and meet a friend of a friend in a place called Ince, which is an area that hugs Ellesmere Port and Elton. To get to this lad's house, we had to walk up a rarely used lane and it was made for really small cars. We eventually met up with his friend and we were all talking about kids' stuff and I asked if we could walk up a lane that was about 20 yards to our right and it seemed to be heading into nowhere. There were old limestone walls that just stretched for miles. I was just curious what was out there. But when I asked, this lad said he didn't want to go up there. He actually said, I'd stay well away from there if I was you. We obviously asked why, as he was clearly spooked, and he said, there's a big black wolf dog over there, and if you don't believe me, ask me dad. We decided not to go up that way. Eventually, we all just went back home. Now, in a small town a few miles away, another set of children got more than they bargained for when they were searching for arrowheads and flint. And this is entitled The Halewood Growl, 1983. I'm not sure what this event was, to be honest, Deb, but here's a possible encounter that happened to myself and some friends when we were children. At the time this happened, I was around 11 years old, and this happened in 83, 84. I live in Liverpool and grew up in a place called Halewood, and there's a fairly large woodland that's intersected by a disused rail line. As far back as I can recall, the railway's been out of use, and we played there a lot as kids. The woods were a creepy place, but lots of us would regularly frequent them. We would be climbing trees or riding our bikes, just doing normal kid stuff, making a racket. In some parts of the woods, the trees grew closely together. They were very thick and it made it hard to manoeuvre through them or even enter them in some places. We were looking for flint shards to make spears because we'd watched Digger the Dump on the TV. Now, the railway was a place that had a lot of flint and we ended up in what I believe to be a clearing among some giant hogweed. But it was very odd. We didn't get the normal burns that you get from the sap of a hogweed. I'm unsure if it was. We were looking on the ground for suitable shards or stones that we could nap easily and we were concentrating hard trying to find them. And as we were talking, we suddenly heard an awful growl. And it was like this deep, roughened, human-like growl. It didn't matter where we looked for a quick escape, we came up short. We were completely surrounded by dense vegetation and we couldn't make anything or anyone out or see what was growling at us. It could have been a person, I guess. I don't think it was, though. And it did stand out as really weird. But it was such a strange sound. We ran as fast as we could and we felt at the time like we were running for our lives. I think I just broke through the greenery. I ran down the hill to the open fields and I just kept running. Who knows? Thanks for your time, James. In this next report, you will hear some similarities that match to the other reports. The watching of the house, the use of a railway embankment, the area itself being green belt land a witness having experiences as a child. 
I know of so many areas that match this. If you're not in a city centre, you are living or very close to an area like this. I live in a place exactly like that. It has a railway line crossing it. It has lots of stock ponds, streams, brooks, farm fields and greenbelt land. There's a history of weird upright creatures and the reports of ghosts are so prevalent where I live. We have a number of streets named for the white lady. Last year, when I was passing in my car, a small boy ran up, all flustered, and asked me to send my dogs into the woods as he'd just seen a bear walking away from him. My husband went and had a look and while I stayed with the boy and I asked if he could have been a kid tricking him or a really big dog. He was adamant that it was a bear. My hubby returned without seeing anything and we helped the boy home and we just let his mum know. Now, if you follow where I live, as the crow flies west, you come to an area named St Helens. And in 1974, this event happened. I was contacted by a lady in the 2000s. Obviously, I haven't been in touch with her since 74. And she said, I want to share an experience I had when I was younger. And it's a complicated story. And I think it would be better if I start at the beginning. As a child, I saw something that is impossible to explain or describe. The first time I saw one of these creatures, I was about eight years old. It would have been 74, 75. I grew up in St Helens and I'm still in St Helens now. The green belt land I lived opposite on at the moment is somewhere I know well. I grew up there and this is a railway line that splits the two places in half as it goes through there. They are wooded hills which are surrounded by smaller woods and it then runs down to that railway line and the land I live across joins it at that railway. In the 1970s, it was much more rural. There was more open land, fields and woods. The house I live in now was built in 1978. So you can imagine how vibrant it was back then. There used to be a quarry in the middle of the woods, which is now disused. The quarry is filled with water over the years and the locals used to fish it. I played down there often as a kid and as I was doing that when this experience happened. I was out at the bottom because we'd built a den over there and I was out on my own as no one was over by the den. You have to guard it when you're a kid, don't you? They were all probably still in and eating their tea. I remember it was the middle of summer and it was really hot. And as it was going back to the entry point, which was a hole we used to squeeze through, I just got this dreadful feeling. I've never forgotten it. It just washed over me and everything went suddenly quiet. There were no birds singing, no rabbits or foxes. Nothing was making a sound. It was completely silent. Yet the sun was still up and bright. I started looking around me and about 60 yards away, I saw the back of what at the time I thought was a huge black bear. It looked like a huge grizzly bear without a tail and it was bent over eating something and it absolutely stunk. I remember that smell. I do not know what it was, but I knew it was too big to be any kind of dog. We had a dog at home and he was a German Shepherd and he was half German Shepherd, half Labrador and this thing looked like an all-black wolf. Anyway, I ran as fast as I could all the way home. I told my mum what I saw and she went mad that I'd been over there on my own. She said it was probably a big dog, as we don't have bears in the UK. But I know what I saw. Its coat was a bit like the colour of our dog. It was a weird shade of black, but when the sun catches it, it's kind of red. 
I didn't go over there again until I was about 13, just in case it was there. And although I pushed the experience to the back of my mind, there was always a question mark over whether what I saw was a dog. I never went over there again. Now that I'm older, I think they've always been here. They seem to pass through the area in the summer months. I tend to ignore them as best as I can, but I see them still. They've never bothered me until I took some photos of them and this big one stood out at the bottom of our road in front of a street light and its features were blacked out like a silhouette. But I could see the outline of him perfectly. It was a little like, I know you see me, well I see you too. Now the locals are leaving food over there, you know. They think the baby foxes are eating it. I'd be interested to know how to tell these creatures to back off, just in case I need to in the future. They are usually in an elevated position, high up on the embankment. And I think they just watch us. You can see them from the house, hiding in the shadows. I've heard them making screeching noises like a monkey before, when I've been walking the dog. I'm not sure what they are, but sometimes they put leaves on their faces that look like masks. And they're not there all the time. I think they're using the woods and the fields as a stop-off when moving from one area to another. When I'm out walking my dog at night, I hear whistles and sometimes screams coming from that area. At the bottom of our avenue, there are fields with overgrown brushes that surround them. I was walking the dog later than normal one night, it would have been about quarter to ten. And when I approached the fields, the dog refused to continue. He just wouldn't go any further. I was about 50 yards away. And when I looked up to see what she was looking at under the streetlight, I saw something standing there. It was not fully out of the bushes, but you could make out that there was a figure. It was all black in colour and it had massive shoulders. The outline looked like a Bigfoot that you see on TV or YouTube. And I'll be honest, it scared the living daylights out of me. I wasn't close enough to see the features. And I was so shocked, I thought I was dreaming. It then merged back into those bushes. I sometimes think they know I'm aware of them. I haven't told anyone else because people will think I'm mad. But I was talking to another dog walker who'd seen something strange and he said... What he saw, he presumed, was a dirty man standing in the bushes with just parts of his face showing. When the dog and walker asked if this man was okay, the dirty old man sort of merged backwards into the bushes. And when I say they're bushes, they are extremely dense and over 10 feet tall. Judging by the tree, the fence and the street light, this thing must have been at least 7 feet tall and at least 3 feet wide at the shoulders. I didn't hear them this year. I forget, I figured it was due to the lockdown. But then in September, I was walking the dogs and the trees in front of us were just moving. There was a lot of screaming and screeching and it just sounded like a chimpanzee, but louder and deeper. I've heard that before, this placing of leaves, almost in a mask-like way. Very similar to what I saw, but he didn't have leaves covering his face, but he blended into the leaves, just naturally, really. There's an account at Eshel um, where Paula describes a face that looked like Wolverine and it was watching her through the leaves. And in Bartry in Yorkshire, there's um, the girl actually said she was 15 at the time. She saw him with a friend and she said he was laid down on his belly. And we've heard that tonight. 
and he was looking at her and he was using the leaves to shield his face. Now, we also heard a report earlier, we mentioned this black dog, this big, thick, muscular black dog. Now, Billy Thompson gave me a report a few years ago and he said, I'm reporting an encounter that happened many years ago now. I was about nine or ten and I was out with my grandparents, I think Brian and Margaret. We were going for a walk down Riveca Valley in the northwest of England in a place called Ellesmere Port. I can't remember much of how we got there or what happened after, really. I remember the event. We were walking along and my nan said that she spotted what looked like a big puma looking at us through the bushes. She walked closer to get a better look when my granddad started shouting, Margaret, stop! It had moved to its right, but it was trying to come around behind her. So my granddad shouted, it's flanking you. Whilst all this was going on, I'm trying to look everywhere to see what it was. But Grandad was holding my hand quite tight. I do remember that. My nan was staring to her right like she was in a daydream. And all the time, I'm still trying to see what it is that they can see, but I can't. I saw a big hole about four feet off the ground in the bushes. It didn't look right. Something was in that hole. I stared until my eyes adjusted and I could see what I was looking at. I could see two big black eyes. The eyes were very wide apart and they didn't look right. Whatever it was, it was blinking. I could see it clearly. Once I knew what it was, I knew that it was eyes. I could see them. All around the eyes was pitch black. I could see that whatever this thing was, it was darker than everything else around it. I started to try and see more. I then looked up at my granddad and I said, is it that black thing that you're looking for? And he said, yeah, can you see it? And I pointed at the hole where I could see the eyes, but he couldn't see them and make them out. After we got back, we were discussing what had happened. My granddad said that he'd seen it walk off in front of us, but as it turned to walk off, it doubled back on itself, so its front legs were close to its rear legs. It had turned that tight. My nan said she and her work colleague saw something like it once more when she was doing a night shift at work. She said it kind of looked like the other one we'd seen, but on this occasion, she noticed this thing had triangular ears close to the top of its head. The second time my nan saw this thing, it was behind a six-foot metal fence that went around the property. Nan said that she was waiting for a shift change on the front of her works she was standing within the car park and the area was all fenced in because it was a home for disabled children. My nan says she noticed as she was standing there, something moved behind the fence in the dark. She was with her other colleagues and they're all chatting away. So she walked up closer to what she could see to get a better look. My nan said this thing looked like a wolf, a big black wolf. Nan was stubborn and wouldn't let anything get the better of her normally. But she said she felt a bit itchy and uneasy on this occasion. So she walked back to the others where she'd been standing earlier. I don't know if she told them or not, but she did add as she was walking closer, she turned left and then right. And this thing followed her movement. I don't know what she meant by that. I've asked myself over and over again what this thing I saw was, but I don't know what I saw. After doing research, I'm leaning to either a big cat or a dogman. My nan was convinced it was a blacker than night wolf. 
not too far away from the blacker than the night wolf. We have an experience that happened to some young boys when they were camping out at home. The witness said, when I was a young boy, I lived in the same street as my mate. I was about 10 when this happened. My mate from next door was 13 and the other four lads were with us. They were like 12 to 14, something like that. We decided to camp in my mate's back garden, something we've all done as kids. He had a big frame tent and he had a smaller canvas one. Mine was near the patio doors and his was next to the old railway line that runs at the end of his garden. Anyway, we're all in our tent playing Space Invaders, you know, eating sweets and chatting. When my mate Sean decided to pop out for a pee. He stuck his head out the door and he shot back in with a look of terror on his face and he started to panic. And he said he'd just seen a large shadow in the other tent. We thought it was having us on. Bearing in mind, it was only 25 or so feet away from where we were sitting and we didn't hear a sound. My other friend, Steve, decided to get out and look and he shot back into the tent too. And all he said was, there is something there, he's not lying, it's moving around the tent. Now, it was around 10 o'clock and we didn't know what to do. My dad was on afternoon shift, so he was on 2.10. He normally got him from work about half 11. So we decided to sit there till he come home. And my dad's never driven a car. He always pedalled to work and back. So as soon as we heard him come through the gate, I shouted for him and came around to the back of my friend's house and he opened our tent, at which we all started yapping God knows what at him until he calmed us down. We told him what had scared us and that something or someone was in the other tent waiting for us. Now, my dad's a big man. He's a rugby player, football player and a man's man, if you know what I mean. Anyway... He went to the other tent and he came back and he said, you're sleeping in the house tonight. We all gathered our stuff from my tent and went into the house. My dad got some pillows and blankets and we sat around chatting till we fell asleep. Anyway, in the morning, my dad and Martin's dad from next door gave us a call and we went back round there. To cut a long story short, the sleeping bags and the pillows in the other tent were all ripped to shreds. Not clean rips, like with a knife or a blade good made, but jagged rips like something had used their claws and teeth to tear them. That was the end of our camping for a very long time. Until we got older, we used to go down to Crow Wood and have a few beers and a fire with the girls. I still don't know what it was Sean or Seesaw. He only described it as a large shadow. Or whatever it was, it destroyed and shredded what was in that tent. My uncle's a farmer here, so is my godfather, and they've had sheep taken sheep found mutilated something even had a go at one of my uncle's bulls now a short walk from this area if you stick to the streams or the railway lines you can follow the green belt for miles and miles now most times you do it without seeing another soul sometimes you just see the odd dog walker on a mountain biker go past you'll see thickly wooded railway embankments passing through most of them bordered on all sides by farms and common land now, the area of our next report is exactly the same. I was told this from my two of my friends, he said, when we were fishing on a place behind the Raven pub. We call it the Moss, and there's a pond there which we used to be used as a good fishing spot. This all happened about 23, 25 years ago now. They'd fished for most of the day, and they were just packing up the gear to go home, and they had packed it, and they loaded the gear on their backs, and they started to walk back down the track. It was dusk, about 9.30. 
As they were walking through the thick grass and shrubs that cover the area, they heard a noise which startled them both. They turned around and they saw a huge dog-like thing and it was watching them closely. Now, bearing in mind, these were two handy lads, what I'd call rum lads. They weren't phased by this. It shook them up, but seeing that really scared them. This dog was standing up on two legs. They both said it was bloodshot, had red eyes, and it started to walk towards them. At this, they both turned and ran, not daring to look back until they'd reached the road. And when they did finally look back, the creature had gone. They said it was huge, and none of us have ever fished there again. This is not the end of the reports. It's just a portion of them. The route continues in all directions that span out and join up with others. And even when you cross the border into Wales or Scotland, you will find further reports of dog-like creatures similar to these. Island and air is the same. Impossible reports that happen to ordinary folk like us. Each area will have paranormal reports. There will be UFO events. There'll be abductions, missing time, um, spirits, and lights, all manner of strange occurrences. Sorry. What is it about these areas that attracts these events? Or is it the area itself that puts them out? I don't know. But as I say, we must be getting close. We've clearly upset somebody. Um, and I want this information out there. In the UK, we have missing males missing females in all of the canine report areas um and it's very worrying it's not just manchester it's yorkshire durham um bury st edmunds new forest you just stick a pin in the map and you'll find them there's so many of them i've actually started to map them and there are a number of clusters it's very disturbing um but we need to make a noise because most of them are being covered up as either as i say not in the public interest, no suspicious circumstances, and most of them are clusters solved, even when the body, we never find a body, no person ever turns up, or you solve a case, I, I, it's beyond me, but that's what's been happening. So hopefully, I'll be back next week with some more. Until then, good night everyone. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or 
Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.